Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and enjoying another episode of the 50 Most Relevant today, number 22. Christian Petrarca is who we are talking about. And whenever we talk demons, we probably should get Kane on. So we've got him back on this episode. What is this now, mate? Three episodes in four days from you. This is you're working this me is hard, a nice MJ. hostile takeover. I like it. No, it's it's a great series, MJ. You know I want to support it whenever I can. And I this is you. a guy that we actually did a trade in the Keeper League a few years ago and oh, it's yes, Christian Petrarca. So I do have to always come on and talk about him. And I think He's super, super interesting because ever since Supercoach and DT adopted these mid-season DPPs like AFL Fantasy did mm-hmm. beforehand, you got to start racking your brain on who are some of the guys that I might want to pick up or save a spot for in the year. Mm-hmm. And as we sit here now, again, late Jan, this is one of those guys that I think like Bont last year, like a Bailey Smith, like a mm-hmm. Luke Parker, as we start getting to around six and maybe even 12, this is a guy that I would not be shocked if he gained forward status. 100%. And he's a superstar of the competition. He's someone that we've considered in the in the past years with just midfield status. So how it yeah. shakes out will be interesting. And I know we're going to touch on a few of those those things that have changed and mixed up in that Melbourne midfield in recent time and his role off the back of it. But uh, he's a scorer. No he's doubt. He's shown the ability to have a big season. No doubt. Sometimes he squanders Supercoach scores with his disposal efficiency, but Little sometimes <laughs> it balances out with the mercurial stuff that he can do, totally. the cleanliness he can show in contest. And um, the last three years, MJ, he's, he's been at the pointy end. He's and been as been some, good as you can ask across Yeah, and there's been reasons, everything. hasn't there, that it's maybe could have been bigger and it hasn't. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, his top score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was against the Western Bulldogs. It was a 142, while a 189 last year was against the Adelaide Crows in Supercoach. That's a career-high score from him. When you've got a guy with the potential that that is rubbing up to the edges of a 200 as a career-high, now all of a sudden... Even if he might not boast the 140 frequency of his teammate in Oliver, he might not boast the frequency of ceiling of a Neil. He just has to pop up that high a couple of times, which he did last year, by the way. And he's right in consideration. 153 is his career high average in AFL Fantasy and DT, by the way. Comes against the Crows' crosstown rivals, Port Adelaide. He's going to set you back after an average of 102.5 in AFL Fantasy at Dream Team at 908,000 in AFL Fantasy and just a touch over 930K in DT or Supercoach. His average of 112 has him at a price point of just under 620,000. He's just elite in so many different areas. He butchers the ball from time to time, but that's not because he's a bad player or a bad kick. It's more he's just trying to do too much sometimes with a football in hand. He's so damaging at stoppages. He's so damaging when he gets a yard of separation against any opposition midfielder or opposition defender. And when he has the ball, 
something is happening for Melbourne. Last year across the AFL, he ranked first in the league for game averages, for goal assists and inside 50s. Really important for Melbourne, who arguably their forward 50 didn't quite function last year. Uh, And he also finished inside the top 20 for the entirety of the league for metres gained, disposals and contested possessions by average. Last year in Dream Team and Fantasy, ranked 14th for mids currently with that 102 average. Ninth for mids for total points and 11th for total points across the competition. This is a guy who even in people's eyes goes, hang on, he only averaged 102 and he's 11th overall for points. Yeah, he's consistently finding ways to score for you. While in Supercoach, he's ranked eighth for mids with that average of 112. Uh, Seventh for mids for points and ninth overall for Supercoach for points in 2022. If you want to break those down into some more specific numbers, 13 Dream Team and AFL Fantasy Tons last year, five over 120, four over 130, and the five scores under 80. While in Supercoach, 12 tons, eight of them over 120, seven over 130, and just a couple of scores under 80. And one of those was round 11. The whole talk came that week was, he's not well, he's got a virus, he's not well. And in that game, a lot went wrong for Melbourne. Not only did he deliver a 40 in Dream Team and Fantasy and a 53 in Supercoach, but after averaging 110 plus across the formats for the first 10 weeks, both he and his football club probably have their worst game of the season. Yeah, it was the first time they'd lost MJ in a long, long time. I think it was 17 games on yeah. the trot and it was just... It was just a dirty day. You could tell he wasn't right. He was trying to be out there and provide a rotation, but he just wasn't his usual self. And, um, you know, Melbourne lost the next two as well against, you know, a really good Sydney and Collingwood team as well. So Mm. looking on what we knew was going to happen going forward to lose to Frio, Sydney and Collingwood, um, the way they were playing and the way Melbourne was sort of trending, it probably wasn't a surprise, but uh, it was that sort of patch of the year where Petrarca was really, really disappointing. But, it provided a no-brainer, particularly in Supercoach, mm. off the bye, you know, freshen up. And you look at what he did post-bye, 103 in DT, 121 in Supercoach. So that's the gap you love to see. And, and something that jumps out to me, MJ, because I do think he's more of a Supercoach guy. I just I think, think he's, so, he's so much of a match winner that you, you expect that to be shown and evidenced in his scoring in Supercoach. And I look at 2021, averaged 1.2 goals a game. 0.8 behinds and average 2.8 shots at goal a game. So there's almost on average one whole shot at goal that didn't register mm. a goal or a behind. And his, his goal accuracy was 40%. Mm. Jump forward to 2022, it was 0.8 goals and 1.3 behinds. So a complete inverse of what mm. it was in the 2021 season. Uh, amazing for goal assists. 1.2 goal assists is incredible. Um, but that goal accuracy was down at 27.5%. And, and that's the reason I think there's a bit of a bounce back is a lot of those things you see, they fluctuate. And that was so yeah. far and away his his worst goal accuracy. His, his worst goal accuracy before that was way back in 2016, which was his first season playing AFL, and it was 34%. So yeah, wow. a lot of that's just sometimes how it rolls, isn't it? You just miss a couple. The next year you make a couple. Um, but he's so damaging in that forward half. Yeah. Now, clearly, the thing that 
may hamper him. And, and while I thought that, you know, he's still got a fair dose of CBAs, there was a dip in round 20 onwards. Now, I'm not going to look too much at the finals because while they were back up, um, he was playing injured in, in Sydney. He had, you know, a fracture in his fibula. That's right. Wasn't himself really in that game or the Brisbane game. But if you just look at that sort of final four weeks, 23 to 23, it did dip. You know, it was 50% CBAs in those four yeah, games. Yeah, 50%. Now, that's still a good number. That's not a overly scary number. And the Supercoach scores were actually better than that back half I read. You know, they're slightly up from... 103 to 104 in the last four games and mm. 121 Supercoach to 122. So there was still some great scores in there and and we know largely why. You know, in that mm. time, one goal, two against Collingwood, one goal, one against Carlton, two goals, one against Brisbane. Like, that's just what he does. He's so dynamite yeah. in both ends of the ground. And maybe for someone like Christian, if he can eke even more time on ground out there mm. playing in that forward line, maybe he can keep that that scoring up, but clearly the big the big ticket item MJ is if he gained that forward status. No, oh, that well, would he be, becomes be game changer, comparable certainly in Super Coach of, of matching it with where we forecast Josh Stunkley could be. Um, I don't. Well, he's got one ten capacity in Dream Team and Fantasy. Dunkley's almost there anyway so to compare him to dunkley and what we project josh might and probably will be at brisbane isn't fair but that's not the point remember last year heading into round six parker liberatore bailey smith bontempelli these big names come in and drastically shape up the foundation of what we think the top six forwards were whereas now we're looking going man if a guy can get 90 95 that's going to be around the mark if you thought that 12 months ago, you had to be a 100 midfield guy um, by season's end or get on a run of scoring 100 from the point you pick them up to really make it worthwhile. It's interesting whether it's causation or correlation. Only Melbourne and Christian truly know. But the moment Petrarca moved at round 20 from 75% center bounces over the year to 50% at round 20 was the moment Angus Brayshaw popped into the midfield. Now, again, causation, correlation, only internally they know that. But it wouldn't surprise me um, if in the thoughts of Melbourne they go, where did we play well last year? I think their defense, for the most part, held up to doing what they should have done. I think their midfield, for the most part, held up to doing what we'd expect them to do coming off the back of a premiership. It really did feel like that forward line didn't function as cohesively as it did in that premiership season. Now, again, to win a flag, so much has to go well and everything gelled with Ben Brown and Bailey Fritch, Kaziah Pickett, like everything worked. But last year it just didn't. And I I can only but speculate that internally for the Demons it was Christian's good in the midfield, but if we can get him forward of center, this is where he can not just be an elite player, he can break the game open for us. So it doesn't surprise me to see that these lines all point to, man, if we can get that 60-40, 50-50 split, we get a more damaging outcome on the scoreboard, a more damaging outcome for fantasy coaches, and as you've alluded to, maybe just maybe, we pick up DPP along the way. I, I think you're right, though, Kane, that 
we look at what he's done over the two years prior, um, we've now got confidence in what he is, which he is a 110 guy in Supercoach. He is a safe 100 and probably should be pushing 110 plus in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. I suppose for me, it's the everything points that he should be a 120 guy in Supercoach and he's not yet. So is there a reason for it or is it just it hasn't hit? I think that's the thing that people are considering him in their starting quads, squads are going, is he just like Bont from a few days ago? Is he just like Zach Merritt from a week or so ago where it's, he'll always be around the mark, but he's never demands a reason you select him until you get a value point. Look at him when now it becomes not about how good he can be up to, but how much value he delivers for you. Yeah, and that's the thing that's always tricky, MJ, is that he does seem to give you a look at getting him at a pretty good price yeah. for most seasons. You know, he'll throw in that game or that string of games that is poor. We mentioned the one this year that started with the illness. That was a really, really poor three weeks that made him almost impossible not to pick in Supercoach. Mm. You look back at 2021, there's a stretch from round seven to nine. In Supercoach, he went 78, 87, 101. Yeah, like those those are stretches that will bring your price down so so quickly, and especially when you're at the pointy end, it doesn't take much, especially when it's in that early part of the season. Yeah. And even in you know that shortened season, he has a bit of up and down to him. Now we know all of those big guys do because they've got that huge ceiling, but sure. a bot doesn't really give you a look in Super Coach, does he? He, he no, very no, rarely, no. he very rarely has. Two bad games in a row. He might have you know a poor game, which they all they which all is do. Or they have, you have to have one of the games. MJ has to be your lowest. Yeah, that's just right. how numbers work. But he doesn't usually give you three games where you go, oh, he's so cheap. Whereas for whatever reason, Christian and his he has part. But I, I still think he's got that big season in him. Yeah, I guess too. your caution is. The real gold mine is the forward status. Mm. And you'd be a little bit frustrated if you started him. He plays the forward role. There's a bit of regression there or it holds at about the mm. 110. Because really looking at his season last year, he was a 117 guy in super coach. It was just that three-week stretch. Yeah. Everything about his average speaks that he was better than that 112. But if he goes forward and he just gets that average clipped a bit and it sort of holds. And what he's priced at. It's, yeah. it's not really a great starting pick. It'd be, it'd be nice when you can swing him forward, but you probably haven't maximized it as best as you could. No, not compared and I think to that's the guys maybe in the, the range that, in the midfield that you're picking it's him green. over. It, it, it's green. It's Tom Green. It's Tom Mitchell. It's that guy you think is going to make the jump. If yeah. they make the jump and Petrarca just holds, even if he gains the forward status, everyone's going to be jumping on board the forward status when it gets actually officially named. And that's the yeah. hard thing. In in DT, the fourth line's actually really competitive as a lot of those guys can oh, push is. 100, yeah. let alone if someone else row gets it. But I think he's more of a see how the season plays out because he's just a bit of a tweener. I'm not sure if he didn't get the forward status, is he someone I really, really want in my midfield? I think in yeah. Supercoach, he'd probably be ranked for me in that top eight bracket, he'd be right probably seven or eight. But he's probably but he at does... the bottom of that though, isn't he too? It's the, if he I is. end up with Petrarca, it's not a disaster. 
but is it in my dream lineup? Do I want him? And and if you're picking him in the expectation, he picks up forward status. Well, well, that's dangerous um, to hope for a DPP allocation. You you can. It would just be hard, MJ, for me yeah. to see him averaging one twenty. Yes, and gaining the forward status. Correct. At, say around six or twelve. That's yeah. Or even just gaining the forward status at all. That's what sort of concerns me. Is your two sort of wins? Your win scenario is that he doesn't gain the forward status and he just becomes a one ten DT and a one twenty super coach guy. And yeah. he's in that top eight mids. You've got a bit of value and he's ticking away. I think the real winner, though, for a lot of people is going to be gains the forward status after Correct. playing forward. And then that midfield time ramps up or if there's an injury, you start to grab him. Because I think if he just goes what he's sort of priced at, um, I don't see his ownership climbing very much in the season. No. Unless he has a real run of stinkers again and he's just too cheap to ignore. Come I think up that's what season. you're looking for. Um, but he... I don't think people would go, I've got to get this guy into my team if he just does what he's done in previous years because it's just, it's very good, but it's very not, good. I need I need this guy it's in not my team. season-defining. At, at this price point, he must elevate himself to the next year. He must do And that. MJ, you know as well, having owned him in the past, great VC guy. Great VC. But can, but can be scary throwing him the seat because- You don't feel confident. No, sometimes the roller coaster, and sometimes it's actually like, well, Melbourne's just winning, and he they just don't sort need of gets him to, to be that guy. Yeah, and that's that's the thing as well that probably clips him a little bit is he's so good, but it's it's not the easiest. Like sometimes it's the actual hardest matchups that he just destroys. He's a big game player like that. Yeah, and sometimes when you think, oh, here we go, this is the lay down, Petrarca captaincy, he can disappoint. So he's awesome VC, and Melbourne do get you know a decent amount of early, a lot of games, early games now. Not back in the day when it was a Sunday special for Melbourne every <laughs> every year, but it's not quite that same level of confidence that you go, damn, VC failed here. I'm given Who are my driver. options? And I think at that price bracket, especially in a starting squad, He's you don't have be. any options. You don't have many options at that time of the year. So you really no. need guys you can rely upon. So for me... He's more of a wait and see. The forward status is the dream scenario. I still think he's a really good scorer in the forward line role, no or even a 50-50 split role, but it's probably not greater than what he's averaging. And you're going to have to have him in a midfield slot for at least the first six games. Yeah. To start him, you believe that that hot run we saw after the bye last year and pockets of 2021, and big pockets, by the way, of 2021, is true for the season proper. Otherwise, you're saying you're doing what Kane and I are talking about in this episode going, "Oh, I'm watching him because if one of two things happen, a stinky game or two, he's value because his scoring, due to his durability, he hasn't missed a game for 4 years. Don't discount the fact that historically he is there. He's missed one game in 6 seasons. This is why in dream team, um he's so high up every year in the total points cuz he doesn't miss um he's so incredible after missing his whole first season he just doesn't miss games of football so the narrative is if you're on him you think he's elevating himself 5 to 10 points per game and is a vc and a safety c option for you in the first 6 to 10 weeks of the year if the answer to you is no i don't think he's that that's okay he now becomes the upgrade target and you're waiting for one or two slow games 
drop 50, 60, 70, $80,000 and jump on. Because as you've seen for the past three years, he's around the mark. And that's fine when you're saving 100,000, not starting with that investment. The other thing you're looking for is, is he a DPP option? Because if he picks up forward status, regardless of if the value doesn't pop with losing, he's a monster you'll want to fit into your team. And last thing on that, MJ, is that the relevance as well for this podcast is it does impact your starting structure for the forward line because I'm feeling like a lot of people going very heavy. Forwards, love the forwards. So if you love the forwards, and I've seen I've seen people have Darcy Cameron at R2 with five premium forwards, and I get it because I love the names of Taranto, Cogs, Dunkley, Rosie, Butters. You know, some people love Dylan Moore or Goulden or these type of big, you know, breakout picks. But even if you just went with that five of Dunkley, Cogs, Rosie, Butters, um, you know, you start thinking, okay, Darcy Cameron swings in there. But if I get another DPP, Taranto is the other one I was thinking of. If you've got that six across your starting squad, one in the ruck, five in the forward line, it's a bit awkward now. Unless Darcy Cameron's really balling out and can compete in that R2 position, Mm -hmm. it's a bit tricky because Petrarca's one. There'll be others that we won't see or won't expect. Yep. How do you play it? It it does impact a lot of different lines. That's where I think the relevance comes in. You've got to start future-proofing your team going, yeah, I love this guy. I think he can get to 95, but like we saw last year, if all of a sudden – the bar for the six forward goes from a 95 to a 105. Correct. That's not enough. That's where it gets really, really tricky. Draft, I think he's Ooh. basically bombed. I think the durability is amazing. Yeah, that's fair. He get, he gets there. I just don't know. Maybe Supercoach is that format, like I said, where you can leap a little bit earlier and, and put him in the you know the bracket that's just with Tuke Miller, with Neil, with mm. these type of guys, and that would have him you know, being a late first rounder. For me, that yeah. does seem a bit premature with it just does, purely yeah. on what you're giving up because yes. I'm making that case for Tuke Miller. I'm making that case for Bond. You can, some people want Parrish in there if that's their fly. Yeah. Tom Mitchell might be some people's bounce back. So I think we know with this midfield line is while you have to get them, you need to get midfielders, you need to invest for sure. in that first six to seven rounds in mids. It's almost a line as well where you think, geez, if I, could, I wouldn't mind pick one here. You know, get Josh Dunkley. And then come back at pick 20 and see what's left of these midfielders. Totally. I think there's midfielders in that that will be ranked, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th. Yeah. If you're getting at the back back end of the second, you're like, to be honest, I was weighing up this guy at pick nine. I just couldn't split them and I'm happy at pick 20. So I do think having an early draft pick feels like where you want to be. You want to be in that top handful of picks. Yeah. Whereas some years, it's it, as you know, it's the back end, isn't it? You're like, oh, geez, this is a blanket. Just give me 10, 11, and, and I'll, I'll be take on my way. Two of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it does feel like people want the Dunkley. People want that. But it might be English. Rowan Marshall, might be, yeah, that separator. Yeah. It might be in Supercoach, a, a Dawson or a Tom Stewart in defense that, mm. you know, are really separating themselves. But I feel like the Petrarca. You love the durability. You know, he gets to tick over a parish for mine just for oh, the certainty of the, of the side and all those type of things. Yeah. Um, this, this is a top five player in the comp. So, Without question. I, I look at 
off previous season's average, he's ranked eighth in super coach for mids. So he's right on the edge of that M1 into M2, which is, as Kane's talked about, late second, maybe even pushing early third in that format, if you can, while in Dream Team. His seasonal average has him at 14th mid. That's a mid-range M2. I think he's going to be going off draft boards no earlier than an M2. You might get lucky as an M3 if you go heavy mids and others are securing other lines. But again, it's back to the, you want to be at the front quadrant of the first round and it's in the turn back around of picks two and three. Uh, For those early draft picks, you're hoping for him there. If you're at the back end of the draft and you're desperate to own Petrarca, I honestly think you're probably just going to overpay for him. Even in super coach, uh, when you think about the guys that are ranked beneath him by just by sheer average points last year. And again, as good as he was is just by sheer average points is there's some very, very good names that are beneath him. Andrew Brayshaw is one of those. Jack Steele is another of those that if you're using rankings of previous season averages, I think people will find a way to let him drift to an M2 in that format, which is awesome. Because as I said, right at the top of the episode, when it comes to Christian Petrarca, where has he really ended the past almost three seasons? Pretty much a safe top 10 point scorer in that form. And you got the Ford status, MJ. That, that's as, as a potential little, game. That's your, little, yeah. that's your little golden ticket. You know, that that would put him over an Andy Brayshaw for mine. That would it probably would, put him, you know, Steele is a guy yeah. that probably can go over the top of him. But there's a few that you'd be thinking, this is all pretty even footing here. Why don't I just take the fly that if Petrarca gets the forward status and he's going 107, 108 in, with the forward status in Supercoach or even low 100 in DT with the forward status, um, that's huge. That's a separator. So maybe if you do land him, you take that extra mid and just hope that you can slot that extra mid on the field and, and take off a, a forward. So he gives you a bit of flexibility. You've always got a way. That best case scenario is Petrarca a forward status plus a 110 DT and 120 super coach average, and you've almost got a guy that's the number one pick in draft. Like yeah. that is a genuine scenario. Yeah. But it's... how do you balance it with everything else that you're giving up? Because that's always the hard thing with draft. I'm like salary cap, everyone's only owning one of the player. You don't get to just, you know, move your team around and go, yep, I like him and him and him. It's like, no, you're going to have to make a call and choose him over someone or let him slide for someone else. So he's fascinating. He's, mm. His volatility <laughs> makes him both intriguing to start because he can get you off to a flyer, but also terrifying too that if you know there's a dip coming and everyone just gets this massive discount, it's really, really painful as you're trying to chase a premium that really they've got that you haven't, that is not going anywhere in price and producing good scores. So it is someone like we saw last year, if he goes bang, it's big. It's big, big scores. But we just haven't seen that consistency across the board. No, it's very, very true. Hey, mate, as always, some ripping work from you. Thank you for your thoughts today on Christian Petrarca. No problem. 
if you want to go and read the article on CP5, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv, along with all the other players. We've revealed almost 30 of them so far this preseason in the 50 most relevant. If you're enjoying these podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. And if you want to join our Patreon supporter group, not only can you become getting early access to these podcasts, but you can also get access to hidden groups, exclusive articles and podcasts, and a bunch of other different tiered rewards based on the level you support at. You can find them out through the year as you join our Patreon supporter group at coachespanel.tv. Well, it's getting pretty close to the top 20 players in the 50 most relevant. Tomorrow, we hit a guy that not just this time, 12 months ago, no one would have ever thought about, but I would say even in the month of July, if we'd said this player's name would be in the top 25 players of the 50 most relevant, you would have been like, why? Here's a couple of things. If you've been a follower of the coaches panel over the past, what, half to two thirds of a decade we've been in existence, this guy's actually been in the 50 most relevant before. He's currently in a fair amount of sides. Like when I say it, he's top 10 in a couple of formats. Who is he? And that's in ownership percentage, by the way. Maybe not in scoring. Who's this guy that we're alluding to? I'll tell you tomorrow as we talk about this player in the 50 most relevant. Give it a go.